Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and always exciting when we have Sarah Riappel, who is responsible for Portfolio Solutions at RBC Global Asset Management. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I, I, uh, I, I, it's a shame that this is a, uh, an audio podcast. Actually, when I'm out doing, uh, when I'm out doing uh, events with uh, large groups of investors, I, uh, I actually make fun of the, there's a, Nancy, Nancy, our producer, has put together a, a little slide that I can show to promote the podcast to get people to, to, to sign in. And I kind of make fun that it's, it's, you're lucky you don't have to look at me. When you're mm-hmm. uh, when when you're you got to look at me at the at the event when I'm doing a speech in front of an audience, but you don't have to look at me on the podcast. It's just audio. But your yep. hair is uh, fabulous today. <laughs> I know we've talked about your hair a lot before on the podcast. Today it's just uh, it's just just bang on, right? Well, I was prepping for you know video audio. I want to be ready for all things that you throw at me. So. All right. Well, we uh, it, as I say, it's a shame if people can visualize it. This is a portfolio manager with great hair. Not just a, uh, not just super smart, but great hair and and cats causing trouble. I can say I apologize for the background noise. I have cat chaos happening here as I'm at home today. So excellent. Well, let's get to the uh, let let's get to the markets because we've we've actually seen equity markets have been a little bit better mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. Um, what's driving it? What uh, is what are your thoughts on it? Is this a, a permanent thing or is this a, are we in a recovery phase or is this yep. a temporary, a, a dead cat bounce, so to speak? <laughs> Sticking with the cat reference. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, that's right. You know, looking at the S&P 500, the markets rallied from a low of about, you know, 35, 75 or so in October, a middle of October to close yesterday above 4,000. So that's about a 12 and a half percent return um, over the last six weeks. Which is, which is great news. Um, the main driver was the positive inflation readings that we've gotten over the last two months. And that's led to a fall in bond yields, um, you know, 60 or so basis points over the last, over the same period. You know, almost all of the fluctuation in the S&P 500 so far this year can be attributed to both rising inflation and rising interest rates and that resulting impact that we have on valuations or, or P.E. ratios. So moderation of both of these variables has helped to improve equity market performance. You know, there's a variety of reasons to think that inflation may have peaked and be headed toward meaningfully lower readings from here. You know, that includes supply chain challenges are being resolved. Commodity prices have slipped a little bit. Fiscal stimulus is fading. And then monetary policy is obviously um, kicked into aggressive tightening. So after several rate hikes, uh, supersized rate hikes, the Fed's rate is now, Fed funds rate is now about 4%, um, is, you know, starting at about almost near zero about eight months ago. So you know, there's signs that inflation pressures are peaking um, in the near term, but there's still a pretty big gap between where inflation is and where the central banks want it to be. Um, so that means the Fed will likely remain firm on rate hikes um, going forward, although, you know, potentially at a slower pace than they have uh, been doing in the past. So if the inflation has peaked um, and, you know, the, that high inflation is behind us and falling, then investors focus is likely going to shift now to the possibility of a recession over the coming quarters and and the impact that that might have on corporate earnings. And so, um, the, you know, the worst is, I'm not going to say the worst is not behind us, but, you know, we're, we're a good way through this um, correction type mode that we have had so far this year, but I don't think we're all the way through it yet. So we're, we're, we're all starting to look ahead to, to next year. We're, geez, we're, we're in December next week. Yeah. Hard yeah. to believe. Uh, and before you know it, we'll be through the holiday season and into the new year. So, so what do you what do you see ahead 
in uh, in 2023? What are, you, what are you looking for right now? Yeah, well, we've been talking about a number of risks so far this year, and you know that's that scenario is still in place in terms of watching a variety of different risks. So Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, the worsening energy crisis in Europe, uh, China's highly indebted property sector, the fact that uh, COVID cases in China have uh, have hit new highs in recent days. These are all going to weigh on the minds of investors going forward. And then what I just mentioned, which is the economic expansion is mature. Growth is slowing and the odds of recession over the next six to nine months is is elevated. That's what's going to be dominating people's thinking in the markets over over the next sort of three to six months. In the near term, both stocks and bonds could continue to be adversely affected by all of those things, as well as unacceptably high inflation. So we we, we need to, to continue to monitor inflation readings. The good news is, is that the rise in bond yields over the last few months means that in the event that inflation doesn't come down as quickly as we expect or the economy does fall into a recession, bonds can now offer more of a cushion in a balanced portfolio because they have from those higher yield levels, they have some some room to to adjust um, in, in the face of a risk off environment. For stocks, the bulk of the decline in prices so far has been from valuations, as we talked about. Um, with stocks now much more reasonably priced, the focus is going to shift to earnings and what might happen to earnings in a recessionary environment um, and in slowing economic growth. So, you know, earnings estimates are starting to reflect some of that expected softness ahead, but we're not um, fully into that process yet. So we expect earnings probably to continue to come down, um, especially into January as we get Q4 earnings reports starting to come out. So we kind of we use a scenario analysis methodology, bull case, bear case, base case. And right now we have a pretty wide range of potential outcomes and we're kind of sitting right in the middle of that range right now. So so then you, you take all of that. How have you got what are you doing in, in the portfolios that you're managing? So uh, as always, the asset mix is trying to balance the risks with the opportunities over both the short and the long term. So there's all of those things which I've already talked about. It, we have to consider it within our asset mix. So while falling valuations have improved the outlook for long-term risk returns, we do remain concerned in the short term based on all of the risks that we've already talked about, especially the risk of recession. Um, so and the jury is still out as to whether it, the inflation problem has been resolved. So we still have to watch those numbers. So we have a fairly cautious stance in the asset mix. Our positioning is, is fairly close to neutral relative to where we have been in the pa- in past points in the cycle. Um, but we're prepared to ask risk, add risk as opportunities present themselves. So in late September, we added a little bit to our equity weight. Uh, that provided that proved to be a, a good level for us because we added sort of just before the, the, the market bottomed. Um, and so that, that's really helped to returns. We've been reducing the underweight in bonds as yields have been rising throughout the year. So we're going to continue to look for similar opportunities in the coming months. Uh, over the long term, we do continue to expect stocks to, to provide superior returns uh, relative to fixed income. So we do remain slightly overweight stocks and underweight bonds relative to our neutral asset mix uh, as of right now. So, so Sarah, we're, we're seeing a lot of people, uh, a lot of investors, uh, particularly more conservative investors, migrating towards guaranteed type options, cash or cash equivalents. Yep. Still with the fear, uh, in, uh, on the one hand, there's, there's a fear that rates are going to continue to go higher mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even significantly higher. So you don't want to be uh, subject to uh, potential capital losses if, if you're holding a, a bond, either short term or long term. Um, but 
are, are, what would you say to investors who are, say, sitting in a, in a, in a diversified fixed income portfolio uh, or looking to deploy new dollars and they want to do it in an income generating fashion? Mm-hmm. Do, do you like a do you like a guaranteed approach or is now the time that people should really be a, a sticking with their current investment strategy or um, deploying money into in into a diversified fixed income portfolio because of the opportunity for gains that are on the horizon? Yeah, there's a few there's a few answers for that. It's again, it's about the risk reward. So yes, you can get a guaranteed return out of some of these instruments, but you are you do have to give something up in order to get that guarantee. And in most cases, it's giving up the potential upside um, because in an actively managed portfolio that has the ability to adjust positions as opportunities present themselves, you have the opportunity to add two returns uh, by actively managing those portfolios. Whereas when you take one of these guaranteed um, investments, you're locked in for a period of time. And we're doing some work right now about um, how much returns you get out of the first, you know, one month, three months, six months coming out of a, a bottom in a market. And if you don't participate in some of those early gains in markets, then you actually are, are giving up a significant portion of the of the eventual gains across the entire cycle. So even if you're if you're locked into one of these guaranteed um, instruments, and even if it's only for the first six months of the new bull cycle, you could be missing out on some pretty significant returns along the way. And um, I really fundamentally believe um, in the power of active management and being able to to take advantage of opportunities in the markets. And so a sort of a multi uh, strategy, multi asset diversified approach, either with if it's just only a fixed income diversified portfolio or a multi asset portfolio that includes stocks and bonds. I just really believe that that's going to end up with better long term returns um, relative to giving up that opportunity by by putting something into one of these guaranteed instruments. Yeah, and, and certainly one of the distinctions you'd make is, as, as you say, long-term. So most investors, most of the investors who would be listening here would have that long-term horizon. There are investors who are not uh, in the position where they have a long-term horizon, and that's very much where some of the more secure options uh, c- come into play as 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 really... Uh, a, a, a good place to look. And of course, rates are elevated. So that's beneficial yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Time horizon is, is definitely important. Um, the other thing I would say is if you have cash that you're trying to put to work, that's a very different decision than if you are selling a multi-asset portfolio to get into one of these guaranteed um, type instruments. Because I, I just really feel strongly that now is not the time to be locking in those losses um, in an investment plan to move to something like this. Because once you take yourself out of the market, you're locking in those losses and will not have the uh, as great an ability to earn those back in the future. So, so Sarah, if if we're looking at the the, the fixed income portion of the the portfolios that you're running, w- would you characterize the positioning of those portfolios right now as as being fairly conservative or more neutral in terms of the risk that uh, that that's that's in those portfolios given again that there's there's a little bit of uncertainty about where we where exactly we are in the rate cycle and and in the in the economic cycle as well yeah we, we manage those very actively um, watching credit spreads and, and and the like and right now I would say we are not as um, risk on as we have been in the past 
but we are def- I wouldn't say that we're conservative. So, you know, we do have still have some allocations to investment grade corporates and high yields because we can earn those higher yields out of those parts of the portfolios, but watching credit spreads, spreads very closely. And even though we have those those allocations in the portfolios, we're being very careful to to make sure that they're high quality investment grade and high yield um, uh, securities and, and companies that we own. So I would sort of say leaning on the side of a little bit more risk on than off, but certainly not anywhere near the the, 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 the levels that we have been at other points in the cycle. But, but you said something very important there, and, and that is the, the ability to move very quickly. And, and you have the ability to move very, very quickly if you want to put risk on within that fixed income portfolio. And of course, that's one of the advantages that you have um, doing what you do the way you do it and the way the team the, the team would do it. Yeah, absolutely. We have access to uh, three different fixed income teams across the organization um, and uh, a multitude of different fixed income funds and strategies that we can access. And I talk to all the teams all the time. So we have... Plus, we are using derivatives and, and futures within within the TAA sleeve to to be able to move into and out of markets and the bond market and different strategies in particular. So, huge amount of flexibility for us to quickly implement um, and execute as opportunities present themselves. Yeah, and 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 just for the listeners, TAA pool is tactical asset allocation Sorry. pool. So that's where <laughs> that's exactly where you're trying to be tactical and move quickly. Yeah. So let's just make uh, make sure we're, uh, we're 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 clear on that. So. Uh, Sarah, that's a, a great overview of, uh, of of where we're sitting and where we may go, and then uh, I, I think most importantly, what you're doing uh, as a as a portfolio manager in the midst of you know what's been really a uh, an incredibly unusual year, particularly in fixed income, but having that year in fixed income combined with the kind of year we've had in equity certainly uh, hasn't been the most fun year for uh, for diversified portfolios. No, I, I totally agree, but um, I really do feel like there's um, opportunities on the horizon and that we're hoping to take advantage of. Excellent. Well, there's no one better. Sarah, thanks as always for uh, for your time. And, uh, and again, congratulations on your hair today. That's uh, <laughs> just a, uh, always a win when, you, when, uh, when your hair's looking good. Thanks very much and happy holidays. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.